So, um, you know, here we are. We're ending, we're ending the book. We're getting towards the end. We've got our study tonight, and then we've got our Miss Kathy Kopp uh, next week, and then we're potlucks. So it's been a, a quick year. I don't know about some of you, but it seems like it's been really quick. So um, I'll read you a quick Cute little something that I that I found. It says a Sunday school teacher decided to have her young class memorize one of the most quoted passages in the Bible, Psalm 23. Well, she gave the youngsters a month to learn the chap to, to learn the chapter, and then and they were you know kind of excited they were going to be able to all get up and speak in front of somebody, and you know and Ricky he was really excited about the task, but you know what he just couldn't remember the psalm. You know, he kept practicing and practicing, and he could barely get past the first line. So here it is, the day. The kids were scheduled to recite Psalm 23 in front of the congregation, and Ricky was really nervous. It was his turn. So he stepped up to the microphone, and he said proudly, The Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I need. <laughs> How right is that? I mean, that's going to be good to remember in verse 5. That... The, the epistle closes with an exhortation to love. In fact, love is the main theme of Hebrews <clears throat> as our hope and faith, all of which make that triad of uh, primary virtues from which all fruit and character flow. Faith is necessary to be and to grow in Christ, and love makes this function a lot easier. Hope gives us joy. This is the work of the Holy Spirit that we receive and that we are to respond to. This is the foundation of being personally effective as a Christian with our relationships and with others. This is what the practice of the Christian life is to be all about. And I love that song that the girls sang. That was so cool, you know, to be a Christian and, and you know, to, to work with each other. And I was like, how, how perfect. What a perfect song for tonight. Love is, is a practical application of Christ setting us free being transformed, and being renewed. This love is what helps us to be encouraged in others' lives as well. Love, faith, and hope are also seen all around us, here at church, in our, you know, out in the world, in our communities. And you know what? We need to, um, as we each participate, and then we, as we each help and contribute to the needs of one another and to, grow, to help grow in our journey of this Christian living, in this way, we share Christ by showing Christ, and therefore, both privately in our home and publicly when we're out, what it is to know and to love our Lord to those who might not know, but it's also to encourage those who do. Um, and I, and uh, Colossians 1, 4, and 5 says, Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of this hope which is laid up for you in heaven of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. It kind of just sums up a lot of that, using that faith, using that love. You know, where are the examples? Both in our home, and, and we were sharing a little earlier um, just about, you know, we are the example to our kids. You know, they, they emulate us. They do the things that we do. They say the things that we say. And sometimes we're like, oh, I can't believe they said that. And, you know, but if we looked hard enough, we'd see that they're only doing what we're doing. So, you know, as we just, we need to remember that we are that example 
always. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says there's nothing new under the sun. These Hebrews were struggling, if you, as we go backwards a little bit, to hold on and to hold out in the face of pressure to the finished work of what Jesus did. He died for our sins. They, they were just wanting to go back. Remember, they were wanting to go back to that Levitical priesthood in Hebrews 7.11. Back to the law. We learned about that in Hebrews 7.17. Back to the shed blood of animal sacrifice in Hebrews 10.1. None of them, none of those that could offer them eternal life. But in Hebrews 10.14, we, we were reminded that for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Let's get busy to work on the perfected. And, you know, like they say, practice makes perfect. Doing it over and over and over again is the only way to learn something really well. So I asked myself during the study, I didn't get far, and I was like, Lorraine, what does your Christian look like? And surprisingly, ladies, I missed the mark. Oh, you're not surprised, are you? (laughs) You're not surprised. I didn't think so. You're all like, oh, dang. (laughs) I know. We missed the mark. But, you know, and and often eight little verses, and I'm like, wow, where am I in all of these? The closing uh, exhortation in chapter 13 includes demand to continue in love, to practice hospitality to strangers, to remember those in prison, observation of proper boundaries in matters of sexuality and the proper stewardship of material resources, and to remember the leaders. And I'm not sure about you, but you know, Other than the fact that we drive cars, you know, they drove camels and and donkeys. But other than that, things aren't really that different. You know, same struggles, same issues. We're just modernized. We just have smartphones that want to tell, you know, want to tell us and correct us with everything we do. But you know what? A lot of the same issues. What is it that we want to go back to? What is it that you are thinking, ah, I left this to to come here and sit and hear God's word? What is it? Tonight, hopefully, you'll see, and through all of the studies that we had, that God, Christ is better. Jesus is better in everything. Jesus is better. As I mentioned, these are going to be practical demands that the Lord wants us each to hear. You know, if we will have ears to hear, a heart that's open, you know what? He will tonight show each of us what he wants us to have. Like these Hebrew Christians, we need the, these words of wisdom, of encouragement, and of correction. Second Timothy 3.16 said, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So for some, they're words of encouragement. So for some, they might, you know, uh, be corrections, you know, for instructions in righteousness, what we really should do, not what we want to do or what we feel we, we you know, might want to do. The point here is to keep the, is to, is to keep the faith to keep it going, to hang in there, and it's time for us to step up and not give up. These passages um, hopefully will urge us to draw closer to God's heart and to build our faith even when times are harsh or confusing. Uh, we were previously warned that if we do not train, we can't run the race. And if we can't run the race, then we're going to miss out on so much. We, are, we will be gently corrected, and you know what? But it's to keep us from stumbling. It's to keep us from... Falling into sin. And it doesn't mean, uh, what does it mean to live in Christ? It's to practice his presence and to reflect, to reflect his glory. And I, you know, I ask myself, you know, is Jesus my life? Is Jesus my significance? 
Is Jesus my identity? So with that, I'm going to back up to um, chapter 12. Verse 28. I really wish we could go all the way back to 11 and kind of just read it all the way through and, and work it, but time's not going to permit us. But so as we move forward in, in the end of our little Hebrew mini-series here, I'm going to go back to Hebrews 12:28 and then come forward, and I'm just going to read it all the way through. It says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Those those who are mistreated, since you you yourself are in the body also. Marriage is honorable among all in the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follows considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we start off with brotherly love. It's the first focus um, that we have, and so our attention is drawn to the love of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to continue, they they were to continue the love, which pretty much means to me they had love, and um, which they needed to continue. They needed to to keep on practicing that. Um, You know, it's the foundation of what the rest of this study is about and truly of who our Lord is. The writer uses uh, love, the word Philadelphia, the Greek noun expressing the love between brothers and sisters. You know what? We're family, and we must continue to nurture and strengthen that bond. We need to be all of one heart and one soul. We need to feel for each other, to comfort one another, to support each other, and to remember those who profess to love God and If we profess that we do love God, we should show that. And we should show that to our brethren, to those ladies. We are here. We need to be here for each other. That had, um, it says, um, they had brotherly love among them. So let's keep it. What does it look like today? Is there brotherly love here? Is there sisterly love here? Do you come to church and just love the women? And I don't know about you, but you know, they're not everybody is lovely. You know, I'm certain there's a lot of people who probably don't think I am lovely. I know, it's hard to believe, once again. <laughs> get back to that hard to believe. But, you know, I'm certain that there are people who don't think I am. But, you know, the Lord doesn't, doesn't, what does he say? Love your enemies. We need to love the unlovely. And I think if we were all honest, we could raise our hand and say, we know an unlovely. Right? Come on. We all know we could say that. Um, but And that's just it. We need to love. That's got to be the love. It's not because you, do, you want to, because you don't want to, because whatever. It's because the Lord wants us to love. First John 4, 7 and 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And I love that. I love we sing it with the kids. And, you know, I, I always tell you that, you know, your, your kids from ages little, they sing these verses, they know these verses, and it's, you know, it, it's God's word. And it's so cool to, to have that song in your heart and to know it. 
This needs to be ongoing, and we need to keep encouraging each other. And we need to remind, you know, let's face it, I'm certain there's times when, you know, I've shared with a sister like, you know, oh, this or that or the other. You know, I need to be reminded, yeah, but we need to love them. We need to love them. I know they're, they're difficult. I know that it's tough, but we still need to love them. And that we need to be reminded, because it's easy to get on the downhill spiral, on that gossip train downward, man. It goes quick, too. I mean, it takes a bit to get, to get up to the top, but quickly we can head down to the bottom. Love is what we receive in Christ. It's a duty and a fruit we live and share with others, that we live and we share with others around us. In hard times, Faith requires encouragement for us to move on and to persevere. We need to love. Romans, here's a few scriptures for you. Romans 12, 10. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9. 1 Peter 1, 22. And 2 Peter 1, 7. We are called to love and continue, continue to do so no matter what the circumstance or the opposition. And you know what? I, and I love this the best. We're not alone, ladies, because we have each other. And I am very much a buddy person. I like to do buddy everything. I like buddy help me clean my house. I like buddy let's go shopping. I like buddy let's do my laundry. I like all of that. I'm very much into the buddy system. I like the whole team. Let's do the whole team thing, you know. Um, so, ladies, you're not alone out there. And I think you need to remember that. You're not alone. We're here for each other. Number, uh, verse 2 says um, that hospitality. So don't forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. We're also to show love to strangers through the gift of hospitality. In the first century, hospitality was, was, a, was a practical virtue because inns and places uh, to stay were not reputable. There was, you know, in that, let's face it, there was no Motel 6, we'll keep the light on for you, you know, nothing like that. Through the, through our circumstance, though our circumstances are different, hospitality, paying attention to the, to the stranger remains a vital demonstration of love. We need to be welcoming, we need to be inviting. The reminder, uh, the writer reminds us that when we are hospital, we too receive gifts because we may even entertain uh, angels unknowingly. Perhaps the writer was thinking, of course, about Abraham back in Genesis 18, or maybe Gideon in Judges 6, or maybe Manoah in Judges 13. Once again, everything that they could relate to. For all of these characters, hospitality, hospitality led to new stories of good news, new possibilities, new life, and a new avenue of service. Uh, many Jewish homes back then, the best way I, you know, when I try to look at in the modern day to me, they were like bed and breakfasts. You know, a practical means of showing the traveling, uh, those who are traveling, um, you know, uh, because the Lord has told them, you need to go here, you need to go here. Um, we, and so we can do that. We can be encouraging. We must have that Christ-like temperament. Um, and I can only imagine, and I don't know about you, but I love when I get guests. Um, you know, and they come, and they have stories, and they have things that they share with you. And, and even sometimes, you know, when you sit with, with some mature people, and even young people who have traveled, and the things that they've seen, um, it's, it's really interesting. And, and I love to hear the stories of, of what it's like to be here and what it's like to be there. Um, you know, I think about um, when we, we, we used to go to the orphanage many, many moons ago, and how, 
you know, we, there was a place, and there was a place for us to stay. And, um, you know, they had stuff for us there, and we'd go and we'd help prepare meals and all of the different things that we would do. But there was that place, that hospitality, those arms to come in. And, and it just re- so reminded me of that again, you know, just being open. Uh, you know, it, it's not about how much we have, because even with just that little bit, if we're willing and our arms are open, that's what the Lord wants us to be. Um, the people of um, the people of God not only practiced hospitalities, but they were long sojourners, you know, in the foreign land. We know that in Hebrews eleven eight through ten, the experience of being an alien or a sojourner, vulnerable before others and dependent on God as host, was fundamental in in Israel's identity. This was real to them; they knew all about that. For us, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, rather than an obligation, it was generosity and mercy to receive and lodge and entertain travelers. Um, but that's not all. You know, in the church, the love of strangers, um, one actually encounters Christ and are so let out of themselves. You know, when you bring somebody in who's a believer that you don't know, and, and it could be just somebody new in the Lord that you want to spend time, and you hear the things that they've gone through, you know, it pulls you out of who you are. It lets you go, lets you let go of yourself and be with somebody else. Um, hospitality, then, is a gift that feeds and nourishes both the guest and the host. From the Hebrews' perspective, perspective, the truth is that we are all sojourners in this land, and that, you know what, if we, rem- if we remember, if we're, we're only here traveling through this world, ladies, it's but a short time. It really, really is. And I don't know about you, but truly, I stand here today, and I, I'm like, wow, I was just 22 having a baby, and now I'm 24, and I'm just kidding. I'm many, many moons, many ages older than that, and time is going by so quickly. And you know what? You know, the, the time that's passed to the time that's going to come, it's, it's going to come quickly. And I was thinking real quick, especially about um, uh, our, mini, our missions. And uh, a couple months ago, I had dinner with some friends of mine from, uh, and we were talking. And this one, um, the Lord has allowed me to uh, be a little bit of an encouragement, a little bit of a, to help one of the uh, little lady come along and, and just share with her, you know, just, just different things. So we're out to dinner one night. She said, I went out to dinner last week and with some friends, and there was this neatest girl. And she came and she was telling us about where she is, and she's a missionary. And I can't remember where she's from, but she was just the, the things that she told and how God's hand protected her and how God protected them from where they were at and how the Lord blessed them. And they went from, you know, being here to having a building and, and the, this land and on and on. And she said, uh, and she said, one of her sons has malaria, had malaria and she was home. And I'm like, she's talking about Melissa. And I was listening to her and I let her finish her spiel. And I said, is her name Melissa? She said, yes, how did you know? And I was like, wow, Lord, you were so good. That's what it is. That's, that's that hospitality. That's just, you know, that's what it's all about. Remembering those who are out there, those missions. But then that's where that feeding nourishes you know, but, but it feeds both the, the, the guest and the host. And I was just like, I was so blessed and so blown away about just being able to know. I knew who she was talking about and was able to even share a little more deeper knowing Melissa because she's been here with us. So it was really very exciting. Uh, verse 3 reminds us to remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Those who are mistreated since you yourselves are also are in the body also. 
Those in prisons in bonds. A Roman, uh, it was a Roman place of detention before punishment or execution. Many Christians were in prison because of their faith. The early church was known for caring for prisoners, uh, many under either political or religious, as well as unfair incarceration. Such a prisoner, the, the prisoner's only means of survival was from caring Christians. Um, which also spread the word very well. They uh, also demonstrated how important encouragement is. And a few scriptures is 1 Corinthians 12:26, 2 Timothy 1:16 through 18. And then of course we read about this in Hebrews 10:32 through 34. We're called to, we're called to have a sympathetic and to have empathy. Um, it's a call for us to also that re- to remind us um, of the ministry and that we need to be a participant in it. God desires us to, God desires us to participate in Him and with others. And you know, I have had the opportunity to pray for, um, a friend who had a family member in prison. And, you know, it really brings us back. But you know, even more than that, you know, there's, there could be even in our body, Maybe we have a, a spouse or a, a brother or a sister or could be a mom or a dad who are in prison. And I think sometimes I don't, we don't really realize that. And um, sadly, you know, one, one Thursday night, you know, I had a, I had a son. Uh, I had a son. Um, I, had a, I had a child say, you know, I want to pray for my dad. And I was, okay, let's go. We'll pray for your dad. And he said, and he's in prison. It's, it's in our church, ladies. So it's not a far off. And, you know, and, and I was only reminded that. Yet again, when I did the study, I was like, wow, Lord, you want me to keep that on my list, and you want me to keep it high on my list. That's something that you want me to remember. Um, our life is, is a life in the body, and just as Jesus, as our great high priest, identifies with our, with our test um, and our vulnerabilities, we should also identify with those brothers and sisters. Um, it means that we need to have remember and to appropriate sympathy. Or, or, you know, we need to, to ask questions. And, you know, and so I do. I ask my you know, I ask myself, you know, do I realize how dear the body of Christ is? There are those who there are hurting. Do I really realize that? Some are in their own prison. Ladies, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have felt like I am in my own prison. You know, I'm keeping things instead of sharing them and getting prayer and, and, and giving them to God. You know, we need to make sure that we know and we see and we're here for those other ladies. Do I have eyes and a heart that feels these people's pain? You know, this poor little, poor little guy was, you know, just wanting prayer. That's all he was wanting was prayer, you know, and, and he could understand it because he was living it. The Lord's calling me to do that. I'm not certain where everybody is tonight, what you're going through, because you know what? We are, you know, we're really good at keeping our hurts. We're probably the best at keeping our hurts, our pains, our disappointments closed in. But, you know, after our study, there's always an opportunity for prayer. Every week, Donna invites somebody to come up and be prayed for, to be lifted up. Um, You know, don't need to worry about embarrassment, shame, guilt, and any of those other feelings that keep you from getting prayer, from being encouraged. Because I know, you know, sometimes we need to be encouraged. 
And uh, it reminded me, you know, once again, I remember years and years and years and years ago, um, you know, I'd done something really kind of silly, dumb, as a matter of fact. And I know you're shocked again, um, but shocked. And I remember calling Karen, and I think I was going to do something. I think I was going to do maybe a devotion or whatever. And I remember I called Karen, and I said, I can't do it. And I told kind of Karen what I did, and I was embarrassed as all get out. And, of course, I didn't go see her. I called her on the phone so she didn't have to look at me. But, you know, she gave me, but, you know, Karen prayed for me. And I don't even know if she remembers. She prayed for me. And she gave me a scripture. And that, I remember, was a bit of a turning point in my walk. I was like, wow, no condemnation, no need to feel. She reminded me that everybody does things and, you know, bottom line, and make sure you don't isolate yourself and make sure, you know, the enemy wanted to pull me down quickly. But because at least I had the sense at that time to call and you know, the Lord blessed. Um, we have a fantastic body of women here, but we do need to be humble enough to reach out. And I know for me, that's what it was, being humble enough to reach out. Um, verse 5 tells us that marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. This means um, the personal, intimate relationship of a husband and a wife. Um, and there's a lot of things that destroy that these days, adultery, prostitution, and even pornography. The church is called to teach God's values, not to compromise with the world, but we're to strengthen marriages and families by being role models and to encourage others and to help each other. And I don't know about you, but I'm in the workplace. And when people here, um, actually Saturday will be 34 years of marriage for me. And, you know, it's, it's been easy. And it hasn't been delightful and all joyful, let me tell you, right now. But you know it has been 34 years. And I'll tell you what, when I tell people at work that I've been married 34 years, they, they, some say, why? And I'm like, wow, you know. But I will encourage those that are wanting to give up. I encourage them, especially when they have kids. You know, there's no better, you know, there's no better, there's nothing better out there. Yep, he's not better yet, but you know what, there's no better out there. You know, the Lord wants us to, to, to make sure that we are those role models, that we are those encouragers, that we are telling, you know, that we are a help in time of need also. Because you know what? You know, you'll see, you see couples out there and you're just, you know, and you think, wow, they, they hung in there. I, I, have a, I have a hung in there story, you know? So you need a hung in there story. I can give you a hung in there story. But, you know, because when I, there was a time when I was ready to hang it up, give it up, let it go. Somebody told me God wants to restore. He doesn't want you to run. He wants to restore. And so, you know, those are the, just the things that I can share with somebody. Uh, fornicator is one who seeks to destroy what God has put together. It's, it's a grievous sin, and it destroys. Um, there's, you know, also a call for us to guard against lust and to whatever else destroys relationships and marriage. Sexual immorality is extremely dangerous. Um, Roman civilizations, Greek civilizations were loose morally, and it did lead to their fall. We should honor marriage, and we should be faithful to our marriage covenants. Such faithfulness sets us apart from the world, and it strengthens the bonds of believer. Infidelity is not a private matter. You know what? It weakens the fabric of our community, and those who are faithless bear responsibility for What's going to happen for the, the what's going to, what it's going to produce. Ladies, you know what? If we, you know, 
we need to make sure that we know that God will punish all fornicators and adulterers. And it's his word. We need to do what we need to do for ourselves. Um, we need to, if you need counsel, if you need to seek somebody, if you need some understanding, there are plenty of women who can help. You know, we, I believe and I know we go through things so that God will allow us to use it and to help others. Not for our own personal pain, not for our own personal shame, whatever it is that we think it is, but it's to help somebody else through. It is to, to, to help guide, give somebody that encouraging word. So as, just remember that we need to make sure that we are that example. We need to make sure that, that the world sees us. You know, and if they see, you know, they see, and it does, you know, bottom line, you know, they, they're going to say what they're going to say. But I try to give the least amount of reason for them to say anything bad. You know, I, I just, um, it's so important that we make sure. That's why I, t- I encourage anybody, like I said, that, you know, as tough as it is, you know, maybe you need some guidance, maybe you need some counseling, maybe you need, but ultimately, what are you doing what the word says? Trust me, you know, I, I was able to, I think I've shared several times, I was able to help um, uh, counsel a, a young woman going through through a tough marriage at one time. And every time I counseled, the Lord was speaking to me. <laughs> Lorraine, you need to do this. Lorraine, you need to do that. And it was like, you know, I mean, I said it before. John would be like, um, I would just like like a salad and a piece of meat. And I'm like, well, then, you know, make it. But, you know, it's not, you know, truly, I'm sorry. You know, it's the way it was. But he's like, no, Lorraine, you do it. That's what you need you to do. You need to be that example. You're giving somebody that word of encouragement. You need to also be that example. So just a reminder, verses 5 and 6 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? A call to be careful. For while wealth and riches are not evil in and of themselves, they usually will become evil as they can become our God. The love of money, temptations of gathering wealth, um, and, and the desire to be rich and to be led astray and destroyed, um, has destroyed countless over the centuries. And shame on me. I have my deceit, my, Keebler Disciplettes, and I have up here all the points, so I'm going to turn them around real quick, and then I'm going to jump right back to don't let your conduct be with co- without covetousness. Oh, that's so funny. I forgot I didn't turn these around. Brotherly love. Thank you. Thank you. Hospitality. Pray for those in prison. Marriage is honorable. Do not covet. And to pray for our leaders. All the things that we're going to be learning about tonight, I was just thinking, I, see, I saw him right here. I'm like, what are these things doing here? Anyways, <laughs> like, get us out of the bag, will you? <laughs> Dang, a call, a call to be let out. So let our, let our conduct be without covetousness. Um, we are called to be content with what he has provided us and not to bend towards greed or coveting. The point is that our real and true treasures are imperishable and, and eternal. You know, what does he say? Don't store up your treasures here on earth. Where moth and where, where moth and dust destroy, right? But to store them up in heaven, the, our security is who we are in Christ, not what we have, or what money, or the things that we have. 
you know what? Our true identity is how we handle our finances. That is truly a reflection of our spiritual life. You know, are we, are we doing the things we need to? Are we tithing? And, you know, whatever it is, what does he say? Give with a cheerful heart. That's what he wants. Are we doing those things? Are we being responsible with our finances? You know, are we making sure that those, that the bills are paid? And if we have to eat, you know, beans and rice for three weeks, we have to eat beans and rice for three weeks. You know, it's what it is. Matthew 6, 19, I'm sorry, Matthew 6, 19 through 34. Luke 12, 15. Philippians 4, 10 through 13, 1 Timothy 3, 3, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, scriptures that will, that talk about making sure, you know, the love of money is what? The root of all evil. It's that love of money. We should not greedily seek more to secure our lives. Rather, we are to trust in God's promises of, of his presence and protection. He wants to meet our needs and not our greeds. A promise of God is, um, meaning that we have freedom from fear because as we read the lord is our helper and as the and as the lord and the lord is our as our partner in life and faith this was a great comfort given to the people who were thinking of leaving the church our confidence is in christ and not in our situation deuteronomy 3 1 31 6 through 8 second chronicles 15 2 and psalm 37 28 the, remi- the writer reminds us that the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. God is not just simply present. God is our helper. So we need not fear any human action or institution. Psalm 118.6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord's my helper. Um, you know, and it, that, that psalm is to encourage us not to be afraid, but to put our confidence and our trust in the Lord. And last but not least, verses 7 through 8 says, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We need to remember our leaders, those who teach us. Um, We need to make sure that we respect our leaders and that mostly we pray for them. If there's a, if they need help, we need to make sure that we give that help. Um, We need to make sure that we don't conspire against them. And that, that is, I can't even imagine, you know, trying to get together with somebody saying, oh, I didn't like that. Oh, I don't like this. You know, things happen, but we really need to be careful. Um, we need to make sure um, that that um, church leaders who may have been disrespected so that the people, you know, so people go over their head. We just need to make sure that we do the right thing. We remember them. We pray for them. We, we uh, help them in time of need. Um, you know, and also, and I think about that, you know, also in remembering the leaders, you know, remember Pastor Chuck and what a greatness, never forgetting, never forgetting those godly men, who they were, the life they led. It, it helps us. We need to imitate. We need to be imitators. You know, they're like mentors. They should be good examples. And those are, we should want to follow them. And I'll tell you, you know, we're talking a little bit, ladies, we are so well learned. We have a, just a, an incredible pastor and associate pastors, our pastor's wives are just, you know, they're, they're godly women. They teach God's word. You know, they don't let us stray. They're, you know, they don't let us, you know, get too far and, you know, out there. They remind us, 
It's about the word of God, and that's about it. We need to imitate them. Um, we need to make sure that we are following them as a good example. Imitate their faith. We're called to learn and to grow and to search out, um, to be good examples for our life, and, uh, and as well as have that faith that, faith that others see. And then last, we do read that Jesus is, uh, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the same. He is God eternal. He is all present and he never changes. He's constant, changeless, the changeless one who communes with us and desires us to change from our worse to his better. He anchors himself to us and even when we suffer, he is there. If we, if all we know is this, then we have all we need. This also means that we are his instruments. And you know what? People come, people go, but we need to make sure that for us, our faith always stays in him because he is the Christ, he's the Lord, and he does remain the same. It's not about a ministry that we build up. It's about the ministry that he has given. We need to honor that. We need to make sure that, that we're honoring him, that we are glorifying the Lord. We need to, to um, we need, we need to fix our eyes and our vision needs to be that of Christ. We need to allow him to be the Lord of our life, the Lord of church. Uh, yesterday and t- today and forever, you know, the early church knew this. They knew um, the early church is confession of the lordship and the changeless changelessness of Christ meaning Christ is the anchor and this is and is transcendent the all-knowing and powerful god through all times and space of dimension yesterday means the age of the prophets today means the age of Christ and tomorrow is the come of our eternity jesus is our unchangeable savior Going through the, through the principles, we could see how they were really, truly all in, interconnected and that we need to be set apart. Um, they're ethical teachings, but you know what? We can sit here all night and listen, but if we don't do them, then what are we? As the body of Christ, we need to remain humble and blessed that we have instructions. And then, of, and then of course, you know, ladies, as of tonight, we have no excuse. We all went through the scriptures. We all sat in that, the small study groups. If you were here, there are no excuses. James 1.21 says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive the meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. As, you continue, as we continue on in James, it's in 23 and 24, it says, If anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer. He's like a man observed who's a, a man observing his natural face in the mirror, for he observes himself, goes astray, and, told, and just immediately forgets. We sit here tonight. The Lord has shown each of us something. He has taught, if you were had open ears, if your heart was open, he has shown you some area tonight that he is calling you to. Romans 12, 22 says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Galatians 5, 20 says, 5, 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love. And of course, that goes with joy, peace, suffering, long suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. In this increasingly crazy world, you know, it seems like the hits keep coming. And coming and coming. You know, I, I truly, truly never thought I would see the day where pot was legal. Ladies, it's getting crazy. It's getting scary. 
We need to make sure that we are set apart and that we don't fall into the demands. And I'll never say it's a good thing, you know, and and it, it has its medicinal purposes. Don't get me wrong, but it's not a good thing that everybody out there can just run amok because that's what's going to happen. The roads are going to get scarier everywhere. Work is going to be scarier. It's going to be a little bit tougher. But you know what? What does the Lord said? He says he's our helper. We need not fear. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We're called to love and to continue to do no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation. In doing so, we can also show hospitality to both those we know and to those we don't. And, you know, we just don't know who we may be entertaining. We're not to forget those who suffer, who are in prison, and the social outcasts, or we're not to add to their mistreatment. We're to treat others as Jesus does, feel their pain, have compassion, and do something to help. We are also to give honor to marriage, helping people build their marriages and fight against immorality and adultery. We are not to love money, but regard it only as a tool so that we can be content in Christ, for he will never leave us or forsake us. We can have confidence in Christ, for he will help us. We need never to be afraid of the situation or peoples. We are not in this life alone. We have Christ and we have one another. He gives us all we need to run the race of life and faith successfully. Do not forget to respect your leaders, receive the word from them, and remember all the good. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, forever. When we face trials, whatever we face, the frustration, we need to remember that it's merely temporary, and we have to keep our eye on what's important. He's the, Jesus is our great example of endurance. He is our forerunner and Lord, and he urges us And he urges us and lets us know we can do it. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Faith is the promise of of Christ. Our hope is in him, not in what we have or what we want. What God fulfills in us is up to him and his timing. Even if I don't have it now, we will. And even if we don't get it then, but you know what? Ours is eternity. And so I leave tonight with the last question. What does your Christian look like?